Hello, everybody, and welcome to Between Two Servers, the show where game developers talk about multiplayer and netcode. Today on the show, we have Mike and Matt from Liquidbit, an independent game studio in Chicago. And they're here to talk about their journey starting a game studio and making their first multiplayer game. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, Glenn. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's great to be here. Cool. So what I really want to know is when exactly you guys just went, okay, fuck it, we're making a game. <laughs> what, what, what happened? Yeah, right. I mean, so... Mike and I have been working together for years. In fact, I think we've just kind of lost count and we've done, we've done everything from, you know, having a really small studio building mobile apps, like during the kind of the mobile app boom, when everybody thought, you know, it was the mobile app gold rush, right? You know, got to have an app for that. I'm going to make a million dollars real quick. And, and we rode that wave for a really long time. Um, and ended up building uh, a, a, a small company that, you know, continued to grow. And then we merged with another company that had a lot of design expertise and we were the engineering piece and we kind of put those two together. Um, that company was called Okta uh, and that continued to grow uh, until eventually it got bought by Salesforce, salesforce.com. So we exited um, the company that, you know, we had, we had spent years building up. And how many years had you worked on that one? Oh, five or six, I would think. Yeah, that's right, a long time. Yeah. yeah. At Okta. Yeah. yeah, at Okta, yeah. Well, from Fuel to Okta to Salesforce, right? right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, five or six years we, we were doing that. And then we were at Salesforce for, I think, almost exactly one year. Okay. Uh, and, you know, we were in a position, all of us, to kind of say, hey, you know what? We've got a lot of flexibility what do you want to do? Like, we want to keep working together. Um, you know, we, we want to keep building businesses and being entrepreneurs and having the freedom and the flexibility that comes along with that, uh, as well as really kind of create what we want to build, right? We've been building apps for other people and other companies for so long. It was kind of like, hey, you know, let's build something for us and let's try to, let's, yeah. let's go from consultants uh, to actually building our own product. And we focus on gaming, you know, that's, that's where we wanted to be. Um, and and really just you know sat down or literally around a bar and kind of just mapped it out on a piece of paper right i mean not the game but the company right like yeah. you know what roles do we want how is this all going to work out and you know I, once we got agreement between the four founders um we literally just took the plunge and said all right let's do it and we did it without a game in mind it was oh you had the idea they had the studio and and we want to work in games before you knew which game it was you wanted oh, to make yeah right well i mean wow that's awesome know, you know building games right it's it's a lot of prototyping it's a lot of figuring yeah, out yeah, what's yeah. fun you know and we didn't have the bandwidth or the time to do that while we were holding down full-time jobs and uh yeah 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 you know, I mean, or we could have, it would have just taken 10 times as long, right? Definitely um, would have hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so that's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of where it was. And then we're like, okay, we, we, we know we want to focus on multiplayer. That's the kind of company that we want to be. Um, and, you know, I, I'll let Mike kind of talk about how we, how we stumbled into killer, the killer queen community and killer queen black. Yeah. That's, that's my next question. It's why killer queen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. Um, we, uh, 
we went to uh, this this barcade called Logan Arcade in Chicago with uh, some coworkers. We heard about this game called Killer Queen. We're like, all right, let's check it out. You know, we heard the skinny of it. It's like a, a 10 player 5v5 arcade game, you know, head to head. And we're like, well, that sounds really interesting. We really haven't heard of that before. So we go and play it and turn out, you know, it's awesome, right? It's really approachable. You just walk up to the cab and kind of play, you know. The community around it was super chill and super cool and uh, welcoming. welcoming. And, um, you know, we knew, it, we knew it had to be like, we wanted to build a multiplayer game, some multiplayer aspect to it, like Matt just said. And we're just like, damn, wouldn't it be great if if we could bring this to consoles, like it's, it's arcade only. The only way you can play this awesome game is if you live like by a barcade that has one, you know, and they, they had a decent amount across the country. This is Bumblebear games, the, uh, the creators of the, mm -hmm. uh, of the original, but um, you know, you had to be lucky. So we figured, you know, well, let's, tr let's try to prototype something. Let's try to see if we can make a multiplayer version out of this. Right. And then it kind of just went off from there, really, just seeing if we could do it. First of all, that was the first step. Like, is this so, even possible? So the, the first step was, can you replicate the gameplay on a Mac or a PC? Or where, where, did, you, where did you folks start? Well, the, the, the first step outside of the engineering part was calling up Bumble Bear and saying, hey, yeah. <laughs> you, you guys want to try something together? And they were... I always, I always wondered about that because it's, yeah. it's kind of like... Um, they must be a particularly open and uh, interesting developer because most most IP and most would kind of be like, uh, <laughs> no, right? Yeah. So so like it's really interesting and perhaps it says something about them that they were excited to work with you. Well, we had this like multiplayer framework that we were kind of building, and then you know we spent some time kind of adapting that to Killer Queen, you know, creating the mm -hmm. basics, the basic gameplay, the basic rules, and whatnot. And Matt was just like, why don't I send these guys an email and show them what we did, what we prototyped. Oh, you had a prototype and then you talked to them? Yeah, yeah, That's we awesome. showed them. And we played it over the internet. We, we sent them a copy, you know, we played ah. it. And they're like, well, this, is, this actually works better than we thought it would. Right, you know, they're in New York, really we're cool. in Chicago, so. Yeah. And yeah. And from there, Matt, what was it? Like we, uh, we set up, um, it was like within weeks, right? We flew out there. We did like a like a week long jam with them, just prototyping out yep. ideas, trying different things. Because we didn't want to just like take the arcade game and put it on consoles. We wanted to give yeah. it a little do your own thing, a little yeah, yeah, right. Put a little yeah, kind of. What was the phrase we always used? Inspired, but not. How'd that go? I can't remember. <laughs> oh yeah, we, we yeah, I don't remember how how it was either. Uh, it's very know, clever. But, but but what also worth mentioning, right, is, you know, the deal that we have with Bumblebear is, you know, they came in as game designers on it because obviously they're mm -hmm, the game mm -hmm. designers on the arcade and, um, you know, it was, it was a very collaborative effort between the two companies. But yeah, I mean, like Mike said, once we showed them the prototype and like, you know, I think they didn't believe that it was actually possible to play a game like Killer Queen over the internet. And yeah. It's a tall order. It's a, you did not pick an easy problem to solve. <laughs> no, we, no. Um, we sure didn't. Not, we never not even that. close. Perhaps <laughs> yeah. even. Um, and and hey, maybe this is a good time for me to sort of uh, at, at, at one point I came down and consulted with you folks. Mm -hmm. uh, I spent a couple of days in Chicago in January and it was freezing. Um, and uh, I was I was like I was simultaneously like really impressed that you you'd already gone down the right path so much right? Like client server, UDP, you were going in the right direction. You weren't doing a lot of the classic mistakes. And I, I came down and it, it, as I remember, just, just a few refinements on the FPS client server networking model, lag comp, um, just basic stuff. And then just helping adapt it to your 
your style of game. But I mean, I think people may, may not even know that like the, the complexity of the networking that you guys are doing is basically network like an FPS. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny that you mentioned that. I mean, some of these problems are, are solved and they've been solved for a while and not solved, but have, you know, solutions that kind of mitigate latency, especially for first person shooters. We knew we kind of wanted to model it after that. And, you know, the Quake source code is freely available. I've, I've dug around in there. I've always kind of been into game development, never done it professionally. But when I saw like the Quake source was released, I'm like looking through that, like, how did they do this? How did they do, you know? Um, Valve has released some interesting information. There's this mm -hmm. other, there's this other blog called Gaffron Games. I don't know, some guy, I don't know I if know, you know it. Never heard of it. But every, every time, <laughs> <laughs> dude, no, honestly, that blog comes up a lot. Like I, I mentioned that to people, they're like, oh, Oh, yeah i've seen that before yeah it's really good yeah. like you know physics based networking and stuff so we we drew a lot from that so like the bottom line is like there are a lot of tons of resources out there that you can yeah. you know you, you have uh, at your disposal I, I remember something that you guys were asking me um again this is like five plus years ago um but uh you know do we need to be deterministic was another question that was sort mm -hmm. of like do we really and i i i, I think I, I i think i remember telling you like it's it's not strictly necessary, but it's always good, right? Mm -hmm. And you want to be as close to deterministic as possible, but because you weren't really considering networking it in a GGPO lockstep type model, um, you know, most, most FPS games are not deterministic. Um, they're just pretty close. Right. Yeah, and interestingly enough, we do have error in there where there shouldn't be, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If they're just like... Uh, Maybe just like collisions with static platforms, ones that we can totally predict and shouldn't be any error. There is, and I don't are you know doing, why. Are you doing a fixed delta time or a variable? I don't remember. Fixed delta time. Okay, so yeah, that okay, yeah. floating point. So I mean, same, I don't know. Same platform, same compiler. No, so the server is running in Linux. Uh, okay, so here we go. The classic. Uh, there was actually a huge thread on Twitter that I got roped into just yesterday, and every, for some reason, everyone in the game development is talking about like, oh, you can do determinism across different compilers and platforms easily now you just got it. i'm like this is an engineering problem go don't don't theorize about it just go and do right. it and see what happens right, Report right. back because <laughs> right. it's it's hard it's still hard you know yeah yeah totally but i mean the error ended up being you know so negligible like the width of mm -hmm. an atom or something like that right <laughs> yeah. um and so it's like well whatever who cares but like no i mean if you are building an rts and it's everybody's simulating independently yeah you're that, gonna, that, that can add up you know you're gonna check some which what what we do in the rts um and the full lockstep type things is you usually try to grab all the memory for all of the and you actually check some it and then compare the checksum with each frame across all the different clients simulating it. Right. And as soon as they diverge, it disconnects. Yeah. And then, but then you're like, okay, we have a bug. And you then just, you got to go you just, track down that you just, bug. You just don't, you know, like here's, here's the thing with determinism. Some poor guy is going to spend a week fixing each of those really right. annoying little bugs. Right, and right. Uh, I don't want to be that guy. So I'm glad <laughs> that we're all in the first person shooter networking world where we Agreed. don't need to do that um and uh yeah so you guys quit your game your day jobs after starting your studio when did when did you go full-time on this december 2016 is that right 2016 yep. Yep. and that was when you when you went to the we work uh or you yeah were i mean a little bit after like, that yeah. yeah a little bit after that we didn't just roll into the we work we did a little bit of yellow yeah 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 <laughs> we, 
we did a, bit, a little bit of apartment hopping at first. And we were working that. right there, where you can see behind Matt. We had our laptops. Yeah, there was, oh, that was yeah, that there. was the original office for uh, about a week, I think. Yeah. Right, and so then, we worked, uh, then we worked. Then we worked at Adam's apartment. It? Another yeah, we're like, apartment. we got to get out of here, dude. This is terrible. <laughs> yeah. This is depressing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, brilliant. Yeah, and then we hopped around to Adam's apartment, and then it was like, okay, guys, we gotta just we gotta get somewhere to go, and then yeah, and then we just mm -hmm. hit the WeWork, and you know that. That worked fine for cool. for what we were at that time, right? That was so how, that, how many folks were you? Space. How many were you at that time? Uh, I want to say, you know, so if we count um, uh, Nick and Josh from Bumble Bear as our game mm -hmm. designers, right? So yeah. it's like, how many were we on that project? Uh, maybe six, seven at that point. Tiny. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. Living so, the dream. Living the yeah, dream. So four of us in Chicago, Nick and Josh in, in New York. And uh, we had another artist out of New York. So seven at that point. Yeah. And then, you know, throughout the the tenure of the, of the project, you know, the, the team has kind of ballooned and come down and ballooned and gone back up. But um, I think it, the most we ever had working on Killer Queen Black kind of during the height of development might have been 12 or 13. I mean, not a lot, you know, comparatively. Yeah, that's a tight team. I mean, I think... Yeah. Um, way back in 2001, when I was working on Freedom Force at Irrational Games, I think the total team size was like 20, 25, maybe 30. Although we did have some of the Boston folks, but small teams, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's fun. It's, it's really fun. And you can have an outsized impact. Um, you wear all the different hats. So let's, let's, let, hats. let's do the different hats. Okay. So Mike, what hats do you wear? What Dude. hats have you worn? Oh man, all of them, right? <laughs> Somebody minus the ones Matt wears, but there's some overlap. But no, it's like the physics, networking, game programming, you know, gameplay elements, UI stuff, you yeah. know, just you just gotta do everything. Small you team know? dream. So yeah, we were able to specialize a bit. Like I definitely specialized in the networking stuff and the physics okay. stuff. Um, and Adam definitely helped out a bit there, but that was kind of my wheelhouse. But yeah, yep. Yep. yeah, a ton of that. So what, what, what are your superpowers, Matt? What are my superpowers? Uh, you know, uh, I, I can kind of, where everybody else has, you know, I think something that they absolutely specialize in, as well as doing other things outside of that, right? I, I pick up everything else, right? Everything from, mm. uh, you know, billing to legal to game design to yep. prototyping. I mean, just everything that it takes to run a small company. I mean, and, and, there's, and there's a million different things, right? Uh, and I would love to have someone in a department to handle all of them for me so I could kind of focus on what I want to, but uh, the stuff's you know, got to get done. Yeah. Stuff's got to get done. Right. I mean, people got to yeah. get paid contracts, got to get signed ideas have to be prototypes, all that good stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, shortly after I consulted with you guys and I, I was really impressed, honestly, and you know, we, we, we had some beers and we had some lunches and we talked over various um, problems under latency and, uh, you know, I think I think we came up with a few good ideas that you folks were able to run with, and and also you know, sort of like the confidence that we're going in the right direction. Uh -huh. That's something that I, I found personally in my career. It's people people when I was kind of doing a lot of this stuff myself didn't talk about multiplayer as much. So right. you kind of feel like they're doing something different to me. You know, it, like, and, and I'm not that good. Right. They right. do this. Oh, yeah. I can't do that. It's imposter syndrome for sure. Yeah. Totally. I, mean, I thought that the whole freaking project. Well, I was just going to say like Mike and I, what, two days ago, we're talking about something to do with, with networking and multiplayer. And, you know, we're like, well, we're going to talk to Glenn. Maybe we can bring it up on the, on the sidebar. And it, and it wasn't even like, we don't even need you to tell us the answer, right? You just need to, to be like, this is, 
the broad area in the direction that you want to go. And that is kind yeah. of like that, that safety belt, that warthog. Like, okay. It's like, right, it's like, like having an existence proof or a knowledge of like, no, you just can't do that. Like that's yeah. impossible. Don't do yeah. that. Right. Like a right. sanity check. Or um, no, no, right direction. Mm -hmm. right? Right. Yeah. Um, hey, another person who, who followed up with you guys shortly after was my friend Morgan Jaffet um, from the game design side. Um, what did you, what did you guys talk about with Morgan? Uh, so hand of fate, right. And we talked about, uh, all, all that kind of stuff on, on how he was building his, his company out of Australia, right? Either, yeah. Yeah. He's in Brisbane, Australia. Great Brisbane. Guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. we talked about platforms with some of the best, you know, where he was getting, you know, decent return on, on which platforms to focus on. Yeah. Uh, he had some great insight on publishers, uh, that he shared yeah. with us that, yeah. um, I think helped us make that decision along the way. Um, you know, so mm -hmm. it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot of, you know, Hey, here are the pitfalls of running a small studio and here are the things that I've gone through that, yeah. that, that really kind of yeah. helped us out. Right. You I, know? I'm really glad to hear that. I, I figured more so on the studio running side that mm -hmm. he, he could definitely help you folks with a little bit of his wisdom for the last 20 years. Oh yeah. No, it, yeah. It, it, it was right. He had some, some really good tidbits about, you know, when you're looking for a publisher, what you should be looking for. And we ended up self-publishing Killer Queen yeah. back. So um, what was, what was your decision process there? How did you go about that? Well, uh, you know, so speaking with Morgan, we kind of, we got down the numbers, right? Like, so we were open up, uh, open enough with each other to kind of to talk about how much money we had to build the game. And mm -hmm. he basically said, don't worry about a publisher. Like, you know, yeah. they're, they're going to take X percentage or larger percentage. And if you've got enough money to do X, Y, and Z, which we did, you know, um, go, and do it. Go, yeah. go and do it right. Hire your own, yeah. hire your own marketing person. Right. And, and, mm -hmm. and we have Jackular, Jackular Rash. She's fantastic at that. Um, and as, as well as, you know, you know, continue to continue to push, bring in your own, bring in your own art people, anything that you think a publisher is going to be able to do for you. Um, you know, if you, if you can do it for yourself, uh, it's, yeah. it's worth it. It's worth the money. If you believe in your product and, and you believe in your game, which we obviously yeah. do. Yeah. Brilliant. So you guys work for many years to make this game and launch. What happened when you launched? Uh, I think there was a big sigh of relief and then it was instantly, um, then the work began. Then the work yeah. began. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Then, <laughs> it, you know, it's not the days of box product on shelves anymore. Everybody. No, it's not. You, and you know, yeah, were, you, were you surprised with the ferocity of the live service game? Like the, the aggression at which features and stuff comes at you? Like, no, we're, we're only just starting. Oh did, that, oh, did that jump you or were you kind of expecting it? I don't think we were expecting it. I don't think yeah. we were expecting, yeah. we knew that Killer Queen, the arcade had a, has a, had a great community around it. Mm -hmm. um, Killer Queen Black's community, you know, I, I think definitely sprung from, from those roots uh, and got quite big. And, and that's, I think, where we were really kind of taken aback is like, holy shit, we got to run a community now as well as build the mm -hmm. software on a game and keep it up and keep the servers running and, you know, yeah. everything that goes along with it. Um, that was... I think that was kind of the, the really eye-opening thing. I thought we would be fixing bugs. Uh, I, you know, obviously, I thought we would be working on new features and importing the new platforms. But the community management and everything that the community brings to the game, both good and bad, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, it's that was kind of where we're like, well, this is not at all what we had planned for. Um, and it's cool and it's great uh, and we're going to roll with it. But yeah, it's it's way different than than at least I had expected it to be. Cool.
So from a technical point of view, Mike, what was it like right after launch? Um, well, again, there was that sigh of relief. And then very quickly, reality set in and hit us like a ton of bricks because yeah. we released and we thought we were ready. But I'll tell you one thing, mm -hmm. developing a multiplayer game is, is very hard in, in terms of testing, especially yeah. for a very, very small company. Um, you know, we, we tested a ton as much as we could, but like it's an eight player game and we we barely yeah. had eight employees. right? So <laughs> like it was it, it got a little interesting. We, we definitely had a lot of people help us along the way, a lot of friends, family um, and even people in the community. But I mean, when we launched, it was pretty rough. I'm not going to lie to you that first week. Yeah, I mean, we were it's definitely cra crashes and stuff. Like, definitely what, what, crashes. What uh, I'm trying to remember. It was it was a while ago at this point, but it was like, yeah, we definitely had our fair share of crashes. I think we were like leaking servers, just like zombie we were, servers. Uh, we were leaking yeah. servers. Yeah. The thing, the thing that's so terrifying when you launch a multiplayer game is you don't necessarily also have visibility into what's going on per se. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you're, and you're like, someone on a forum said X. And then you're like, ah, right. Yeah. And, and, and you don't, you haven't yet instrumented your code necessarily to, to have that visibility and to see it. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think there are like a lot of growing pains that older studios go through. It, it just comes with experience. And we kind of just got hit. We, we, uh, I don't know. We, uh, we kind of got blindsided and yeah. it's like hindsight's 2020. And then you kind of do like, um, you know, a retroactive and like, well, what could have we done better? And I'll tell you, the list is very long. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Definitely, like you were saying, instrumenting. What are, what's logging, like the top, like, top three for you guys? What are the top, uh, top three things that you learned in launching your game? Right. That if you could go back and tell yourselves, well, we're going to make a game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, hey, by the way, you should know one, two, three. What that's do you a, think, that's Mike? A, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> logging like, like log everything log every line of code like <laughs> now it's just but seriously we didn't have enough logging so like that like you were saying like you're kind of blind you're like you don't even know yeah. what you don't know something goes um, wrong and you even catch it in the act but it doesn't print it out so you can't see it right yeah <laughs> amen yeah man um you know uh test test as much as you can however much you're testing is probably not enough yeah and, um, and to jump on that one mike and i'll, I'll stop interrupting you but yeah, like man. figure out a way to audit if, if if you have a company of seven people and you have an eight player multiplayer game figure out a, the best testing framework some way to automate it some way to i mean that's where we just we died right like yeah. i did um, i did something that I, I i wish i thought of this when i visited you guys but um uh, on God of War, I had the same problem because it's just me, but it's like an eight-player game. And it was even worse, it was peer-to-peer. -peer. So it was, oh, you really needed to see the peer's view and debug the, the attacker and the defender side because there wasn't really a client and a server relationship. It uh -huh. was right. the, the context of the attacker, the defender, and the observer watching the other two fight, and they all had to be correct. Um, so I actually set up eight PS3 dev kits at Sony Santa Monica and I could set each one to have a hero and it would just spam random inputs. Oh, nice. <laughs> and, and that would actually make them jump around and fight and move pretty convincingly in that they would fire off lots of moves and effects. And we would often catch those crashes that would only show up when you do, this guy does this and then that character does that at the same time. And I would just leave that running all day for the last six months of the project. Um, Smart. Well, you know, I, I, it was just out of necessity because we were getting random crashes and we couldn't catch them. Right. But if you leave it, if you leave it running with random inputs for eight hours, you're kind of like, I feel like we're okay here. 
right? There uh, were uh, there were a couple things that I feel like we did right, mm -hmm. and I'm pretty proud of. Like, go for it. We had this ability to um, kind of like logging. I, I got this out of Quake too, but like basically recording every packet that comes in, like every input, oh, just I've being able that. to being able I've to play this. it back. Oh my god, we were able yeah. to find so many bugs because yeah, of that. Like, Brad Pickering showed me this technique when I was at uh, uh, Pandemic in in uh 2007 and awesome. uh it's brilliant because you're actually you're 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 considering the packets coming to the client as an input uh -huh. and then you record them and play them back yep and you can replay the client session without any server yep. and time and you, is part of the input and you can, just, and yeah, you can debug it yeah it's and it's you can awesome. step through it in the debugger it's so hard yeah we had that we were able to do that on the server too yeah. yeah i mean we would get videos of like people were like you know this is the crash that happened and then i was able to like get the recording play go mm -hmm. to that frame mm -hmm. and step through so you save that recording all the time and then they could share it with you or you said you, we you, didn't quite get there but in, during our play test okay. we were able to do that yeah brilliant now that's that's a superpower right there it was what, it was what, what else what else did you you folks do that you you thought was awesome that's about it, really. What, that's, that's it. <laughs> no, no, okay. All right. Well, we, we, we launched an eight-player multiplayer game as our as our as our first product. I, I think that was you're crazy. Awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, oh my god! So let's let's talk about some of the decisions you folks made leading up, technical decisions leading up to the launch of your game. So server hosting, I think you chose to use Amazon Lumberyard for that. Uh, game lift, Amazon game lift. Game, game, excuse me, sorry, I yeah. get the two mixed up. So the game lift is there; it spins up VMs for you and then sends people to the to the instances, and it effectively does matchmaking for you. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, it's uh, it actually kind of came up just the right time. We got lucky mm -hmm. a few times in the project with this, but uh, yeah, game lift is great. They, you know, they have this concept of fleets, and you push builds, and they replicate mm -hmm. the builds to the fleets. You know, and they make sure that the servers are staying up. They do a lot of work for you. And That's then cool. they and then um, they didn't That's... have it at launch, but they came out with another product called Flex Match, which mm -hmm. is like a constraint-based matchmaker. You could set up rules, and they'll you know they'll... oh, so you can start tuning it and doing uh -huh. specific right. like bringing people together. And okay. that saved a huge amount of development. I mean, like to be honest, it was a fair amount of effort integrating into that, making sure it worked properly, which it did not mm -hmm. at launch. Like we found a ton of bugs, but uh, yeah. but it was uh, it was huge. Yeah. So was, uh, you you guys also used a couple open source libraries from that uh, that Gaffron Games guy. Yeah, we did. They ended up being pretty indispensable because cool. we didn't know what we didn't know. I mean, well, so like, so what did what did the libraries do, and what did you use them for? Right. So I mean. <sighs> Again, some of my knowledge is dated. I go back to like five I years. Was, I was messing. Well, I was messing around with. I was messing around with game programming like in college and stuff. And but like I was using like some library called Enet. And yeah. I mentioned that too. And you're like, dude, don't use that, man. I've got I've got something on GitHub. It does. Uh, well, the, the thing that we didn't even think about was authentication, like tokens yeah. and stuff. And like yeah. that was huge. Like that saved us a ton oh, of man, work as you well. Get, in, in, implementing that takes time, and oh, yeah. it's really open to be attacked. Like if you. A, a naive implementation can easily be hit with replay attacks, man in the middle attacks. Right. And, uh, it, you know, it's tricky. It's tricky. And it's the sort of thing that um, a small studio, you're just not going to have the time to do. So I, f I figured it would be a useful library for oh, yeah. people. Yeah. And yeah, the other and, one, and go we, ahead. You know, we have one of our models is like, hey, let's, for the love of God, let's not reinvent the wheel, right? If there's a tool out there that, that we can use and, and it's going to save us time. Uh, Great attitude. Let's let's go for it, right? Um, 
and sometimes that burns us right because you know sometimes we're using a black box and we have no idea when something breaks why it breaks and then we have to go in and you know do the investigation on it but you know yeah, you, you guys actually found some bugs in the open source uh reliable io around yeah, reliable the, IO, yeah. Uh, Mike, got some commits in there yeah yeah no, good <laughs> on you and uh i mean that's it's hard stuff to get right i mean it really yeah. is but um, I mean, the, the benefit of those those libraries that you release is they're like basically one, you know, two files, an implementation and a header file, yeah. and the implementations are pretty you short. You just drop it in there and it's clean. Yeah. It's not strictly C, but it's just clean C-like code. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it, it's, it's, it's malleable. Right. You can change it, you can update it, you can, you, you can do things to it, you can port it. Um, it's not a big, giant, modern C++ framework that kind of says my way or the highway. Right. right? And we right. really appreciated that. And it felt like, well, like Matt was saying, like a black box, right? Like, even if you have the source code, some of these things are black boxes because you spend like mm -hmm. months trying to understand how this code works, you know, and stepping through it and whatnot. But yeah, so those two things were huge. I mean, they, that saved us a ton of time as well. Reliable was great. I mean, that was, yeah, doing all that fragmentation stuff. Like you, a lot of it, you know, and a lot of it came from your, um, your blog, you know, Gaffron Games, like a lot of that. Yeah, I just took all the articles that there. I did and I figured I finished writing articles for a while. That's Might as well write the, write the library. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Might as well totally. just finish the job. So, so let's talk about the things that you, you, you both focused on. You know, like what like I, I know at one point you were, uh, you know, serialization, um, and uh, you know the initial join, uh, you there were conversations around delta encoding. Although I'm not not sure how far you folks got there. Bandwidth optimization. Tell us about the parts where you were really like, okay, but we're going to write this, right? Yeah, I mean, we experimented a little bit with Unity's you know built-in frameworks in the beginning, but yeah, so you know what, disaster. man? Every time we do this, every time we use like a framework, it's just like it's hours of tuning. It's, it's not, not hours. A, it's I'm not days, a fan of frameworks. Weeks. I'm give, me a, give me a library that I can use and I'll call it. Thank you. Yes. That's just my, that's just my view. Yeah. But you know, we just weren't getting the behavior out of it. We wanted, and we knew that this, like this game, we just had to get it right. You know, yeah. and we, we had to, we wanted a lot of fine control over it. And um, so we decided to roll a lot of it ourselves. We rolled custom physics. That was mm -hmm. actually a lesson learned from Bumble Bear. For anybody yep. who's doing game development and your gameplay is dependent on the physics. You got to do your own gameplay. You got to you yeah. got to do your own physics. Uh, <laughs> I mean yeah. so uh, uh Killer King, uh, Killer Queen Arcade the Bumble Bear guys they told us horror stories about how they would upgrade their version of Unity and it would break their game and they they would it, they would actually fix physics bugs that they relied on and then they'd have to like re-implement the bug they'd have to break oh, it and try to emulate it yeah, yeah. Oh, to man. keep the behavior consistent yeah <laughs> oh that's nasty yeah well, so so what else did you guys do you did your physics the gameplay code you did the um, delta compression mike right you wrote all that yeah so let's, we let's did. talk about that what, what did you do you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, I mean, again, going back to your article, right? I mean, it's amazing how much savings you can get from that simple technique. I mean, you look at mm -hmm. your, if you look, kind of look statistically at your game state, like a lot of it isn't changing, right? It's yeah. the same frame by yeah. frame. And even um, between frames, it doesn't change a lot. Yeah, right? only so a few. So even if you yeah. like, even if you're just say, uh, do the simplest thing and you're looking at the fields between one frame and the next and just 
sending mm -hmm. what changed. That's a big saving. But you can even go further and be like, oh, okay, well, like I'll take the position of, a, of an entity. It doesn't yeah. move very far. So I don't have to send the whole float. I could just this way. quantize like an offset. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So a lot of really cool tricks. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, these problems, I've, I've seen this stuff in the Quake code. So these things, they date back in the early 90s, but they're really clever, you know, little techniques. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure they stole it from something else, right? But um, yeah, that saved us a ton. I, I can't really remember the numbers off the top of my head, but like we were sending probably megabytes of data in the oh, beginning and we wow. got it down to like, you know, hundreds of bytes of frame. Yeah, over like time, right? And, and you know, and, and Mike did all this, right? Uh, you, know, and, and, you know, I'd look at Slack and he'd be like, hey, I took uh, another, you know, two days to work on the Delta compression and we're down another 200K or something like that, you know, and it was like, That's great. good, keep going. Yeah, that's I, I did that on Titanfall 2. Um, Titanfall 1, I, I did a lot of optimization after launch. Actually, I hit that very same bug that you remember you folks were like, we're getting random disconnects after people join and it's yeah. not everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw the exact same bug on Titanfall 1 and fixed it. And that's how I knew what you were getting because it's, huh. it's, it's a packet I'm loss kidding. amplification. So oh, you, yeah, 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 yeah. If you yep. do that thing where you fire down like, oh, I got to get 100 kilobytes down really fast, right. mm -hmm. and you throw it, you throw it through uh, an MTU like fragmentation reassembly, it effectively amplifies packet loss because if you drop one of those fragments, the whole block needs to be reset. Right. Now it, it it amplifies it such that um, there's there's a super linear graph where it's like any amount of packet loss, you know, you try to send a megabyte down like. Statistically speaking, it'll never get through. Um, right. So that's why you have to break it up and you have to do that sort of chunking where it's like, you kind of track like, okay, I've got, I want to send a megabyte down and I'll slice it up into like whatever slices that I can send, but then I'll scan left to right and only send the unact slices until they're all act or, or something like that. And that's right. what I did on Titanfall 1 and it fixed the disconnect issue. And uh it, it walked like a duck and it quacked like a duck when you guys came to me saying like, hey, we've got this thing going on. I'm like, it's got to be this. Right, so, right. Um, oh, brilliant. I mean, that and that's so few comes, people know about this. Oh, my God. And I mean, these are the like networking is hard, right? It's really oh, hard because you need to like there's so much you need to know about it. Like you can like, oh, I know what a socket is and I can send data down <laughs> that's the, the socket. Easy and, like, so that's how yeah. I get bytes from one computer to another. Cool. Like yeah. we can do this right now. It's yeah. like there's so much you don't know in the beginning. And Net it's networking is really the art, in my opinion, of just making all the actual networking stuff go away and then doing the real work. Yeah. So the real work is how do I give the illusion of the simulation or the action occurring on two machines when really it's not uh -huh. yep. right. How do I, how do I, how do I get that feeling of this? Because only in one networking model with deterministic lockstep, are you actually making it all play out the same on all machines? The vast majority of other ones, you've got a client who is a special character on their computer. That's predicted. Everyone else is, is a, a ghost of what's really happening on the server. And you're writing code for the predicted client to interact with ghosts. Which are in the past. Which, which are, are the in past, the past right? relative yep. to what's happening on the server. Yeah. yeah. And That's the hard stuff, guys. It's hard, too. And we, we, we yeah. like to be transparent with the community. And, uh, you know, they'll ask questions like, you know, they get... When you have what you just described, Glenn, when you have a situation like that, you get paradoxes, right? Yeah, yeah. Paradox. And I, like, so people... I call it the window of bullshit. The window of bullshit. That's a and, great and if term. you can shrink latency down, you can yeah. shrink, you can shrink the window of bullshit down to a minimum.
but you can yeah. never and then, really and then you can hide away. the rest with game mechanics exactly <laughs> yeah right exactly yeah, that's very true matt yep. yeah 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 Sorry, I know, that, I, we, no that's okay but it's a great point i mean we had conversations well first of all let me finish that other thought um we'd have people in the community that would be like they'd send us videos and they're great about this by the way like yeah. you know they're that's like awesome. Because, you know, they, they care about the game. They want the game to be better. And we're, we, you know, we try to be uh, transparent with them. So they'll send us videos like, hey, there's this weird interaction that occurred. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. I got under the platform, but they were able to kill me and everything. Yeah. And, you know. That's if, a shot behind cor corner paradox right there. Exactly. Your, so your we, version we, of it. So, yeah. and, then the, and then they start asking questions like, well, why aren't you doing like, um, what, what is it called? GGPO or. Uh, yeah, you know, lockstep or whatever. And I remember earlier. Well, on, even even that doesn't solve it. All they all GGPO right. does is a rollback it's based a rollback. replay, right. which is precisely what you do in the FPS network model, except that you don't do it with determinism. And GGPO has a thing that they do. They kind of have a slider where you can kind of say this much input delay, and you can make right. a personal selection. And the more input delay you have, the greater amount of consistency you have, because even with GGPO, you still have those rollbacks. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, a couple things to say about that. Um, one of the things we talked about a lot when you came down, Glenn, and you, you yeah. came up with like a, like two or three different things that we could try out. And either I didn't get the implementation right or I don't know, but it just it didn't end up working in practice. Mm -hmm. And but the one thing that actually did kind of work was the input delay. We just we just there put input delay in the game. We put a couple frames. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, if, I think that was my that was my like. If everything doesn't work, you that's exactly have right. Delay. That's right. That's exactly that's what, what I was going to say. Yeah. It's like, and then Glenn, Glenn's final thought was, "We're just throwing input delay at it." Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's try that. Oh, well, it so here's works. here's here's why what here's why that would have helped, and why for your game it was a it, it was something that obviously the GGPO input delay being a part of it creates a like yeah that's. This, that's there for a reason, right. right? Like people don't add input delay if they don't need to do it. Right. That's like, like the worst thing in yep. theory, right? Um, but then the other thing was, is that your game had melee-based interactions. Right. Right. And an FPS networking model is really a network model where I am um, moving my character around a static world, ideally not touching or bumping into any other character. And they're all in slightly different time streams. And I'm shooting at them with a gun not a melee weapon, but a gun. And then on the server, it basically invisibly rewinds that player to the point as per where I saw them when my bullet is fired on the server. Right. And if I hit on the client, I get the credit. Now that doesn't really translate to melee. It no. really doesn't. No, it doesn't um, and that's, that's why you see like FPS games often struggling with melee because um, it, it, it's, it's just not designed for that. Um, nope. that's, why, that's why I was like, these, you guys are bit off you bit oh, off yeah. a lot. It, it was a lot, but that's also why I mentioned, you know, earlier, like, you know, what we couldn't solve technically uh, on the network side, yeah. right? I mean, we, we, it, we, we can't change the design. speed of light, right? Like, so we have yeah. to change some game mechanics, right? The original Killer Queen arcade is very much a joust, like whoever's higher and lands mm -hmm, on the mm -hmm. other one's head, like that's how you, that's how you kill somebody, but right? But now it's fuzzy because you're in two different time now streams it's fuzzy because you both you're, think you're above the other guy. There are three times where you had, you know, you had two, you know, two players and then the server, right? Like, you know, yeah, which yeah, yeah, yeah. and, you know, so we had to, that's literally where the weapon system, which is one of the huge differences between the arcade and the home mm -hmm, version. Mm -hmm. That's where that came from. So you changed like, okay, that out of necessity. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, you know, okay. and, and just to, just to hide, essentially hide that, yeah. that latency and that time differential. And, um, 
I know. I think it worked really, it worked really well because one of the things I, I was really impressed with you guys is like you were out there and you were play testing with latency turned on and you weren't fooling yourselves. Right. So many folks play on LAN and it's great. And then they launch their game. What? Oh, why is this terrible? Well, it, it's like one of the previous episodes where John Shine was on. It's like, look, get mad. You know, it's not good enough. Right. But we'll keep the latency on until the, the gameplay adjusts so that it is good enough. Right. Because we wouldn't want to fool ourselves and well, we imagine would, we that would... the LAN game is, is what people will actually experience. Well, that and we would crank the network conditioner up to 11, right? Like how much yeah. packet loss can we simulate? You know, like, you know, can we not simulate that fact that we're on a broadband network and let's bring it down mm -hmm. and let's just see what kind of those, those boundaries are before the game becomes totally unplayable. And then yeah. let's try to push past those. And, yeah. and when I say we, right, like that was Mike, you know, yeah, over there doing, doing all of that work uh, and just an incredible job. Awesome. Mike. Some, some, uh, some plus. Oh, thanks, man. We, we tried, you know, it's not perfect. It's really hard to get these things right. But like, you know, coupled with, um, you know, some of the tech tricks and some game game design things, I think we're able to, to make something that's, that's very enjoyable. But, uh, you know, one of the things, you know, that you suggested that was really helpful was be having the ability to run multiple clients. Like oh, in, a, in, in the same process, power. and yeah, we that's yeah, super that's power. a superpower. We implemented that, and that was huge. Like yeah. I could spin up multiple clients and switch between them, and then have simulated latency between them. And yeah. yeah, yeah, I wouldn't make a game without that. No. Um, we did a thing at Respawn. They would always have a listen server, and a listen server is a client and server in the same executable, and it's actually a client DLL and a server DLL and a shared loader. So they actually have their own address spaces, and they can't talk to each other. Right. Just right. exactly how you want it. Now, yeah. of course, you don't need that if you structure your game from the beginning to have a, a world instance concept and you're not, not using static variables. You can have a server instance, you can have two server instances, you can have five clients, right. mix and match it, everybody, right. right? So one of the things about starting with a blank slate is that you can go and go, I, I want to be able to debug N servers and you know M clients in one executable and Maybe I can even do a, a soap test in one executable. And when it crashes, I'll just break in the debugger and see it there. Right. So my God, the last thing I ever want to do again is to have a F5 on a server and F5 on each client. And, and that, that weird race to debug and to pause the client. Oh, there's something that. about, there's something about debugging under time pressure that makes me deeply uncomfortable. Oh man. Yeah, totally. There's something weird about it. So that's, that's the one reason why we, we really like the unified executable with the client and server or all the different peers or whatever, all in the same instance. So oh, that when you're F5, when you break in, they all stop. Right, right. It's a big deal. So totally. don't leave home without that one. Um, sure. So let's, let's sort of move towards the end now. What's the biggest thing, Matt, that you learned about making multiplayer games in the last five years? The biggest thing I've learned about making multiplayer games in the last five years, uh, you know, and, and we've kind of said this from the beginning, but know you're making a multiplayer game day one, right? Like when you start, yeah. right? Like, like start thinking about it in those terms, start thinking about it um, in, you know, how this is going to work, how this is going to be architected. But at the same time, and here's, you can kind of rewind where we, some of the things that we learned that weren't so great and that we're going to work on to do better things is, you know, there's that fine balance of getting that multiplayer architecture set up up front, but yep. 
not limiting your ability to prototype uh, quickly, right? And 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 we we struggled right. with that quite a bit. And yeah. I still don't think we found a happy balance. But we've we've you know we've we've at least gotten through, you know, the major upfront hurdles. Like you know that was that was very difficult. It was very difficult for us to, especially when we have a distributed team and we're literally testing and building the game over the internet, you know, with, with other clients, it's like, well, just throw this feature in there. Like, well, that would be super easy if this wasn't, you know, built from the ground up to be a multiplayer game. And, and you, you want to test it in New York and we're building it in Chicago. It took a long time for us to prototype different game mechanics uh, mm -hmm. with that. And so, you know, just knowing that being cognizant of that upfront is something I, I, that we learned and that, and, and we're learning to embrace it and looking for solutions on how to do that better in the future is probably one of the big things. Cause you want to move fast at the beginning, but you also don't want to just be like, okay, well at the A, you know, now we've got a game now let's make it multiplayer. Oh, death. Yeah. Then you, then you've screwed yeah. yourself in a different way. Right. So uh, it's yeah. that fine balance of kind of working between mechanic prototyping and, and keeping up with the network stack to make it mm -hmm. all work together. That, that was, that was, That's that was something we learned quite a, quite a bit about. Cool. So um, we got some really, really good news. After uh, many years working on Killer Queen Black, you folks are working on a new game now. Is there anything you can tell us about that? I mean, it, it must just be a great feeling. Uh, it's it's a great feeling. It, it it absolutely is, right? I mean, we're, we're still, we have not, you know, like You're still supporting Killer, Killer Queen. Queen Black at all, right? In fact, yeah. you know, uh, at the date of this taping, uh, there will be a, you know, we're, we're releasing an update tomorrow, right? It's queued up. It's ready to go for Killer Queen Black. Um, you know, and, we, and we've got, you know, some, some more ideas and some more characters and things like that, that we want to include in the game. So there will be content updates to Killer Queen Black, but we, but we, we are playing around and experimenting with uh, a new game. We have the fundamental core idea mm -hmm. um, and just like anything, right? It's find the fun, right? You know, yeah. uh, let's let's go find the fun on on how to really bring this out. Um, it will be a multiplayer game as well. It's kind of where we're at with Liquibit. Um, yeah, and you know, it's it's great. everything it's a, that it's you've learned. Everything, everything we've learned, learned. We, we can now. Apply. Yeah. It's it's interesting, right? We 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 had a conversation about. Well, do we want to build another multiplayer game? And oh, how you could know, you not? Well, I mean, uh, it's harder, Glenn. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's much yeah. harder. We do uh, these but, things but, because they're hard. Yeah, but that's true. But, but there's also this this thought of like, well, we finally figured out how to do it. It's like, why would yeah. we not? You know, yeah, like, yeah. why wouldn't we take all that stuff yeah. that we learned and 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 capitalize on it, right? Like, you know, yeah. capitalize on us growing up. Uh, you know, putting out putting out an A player, twitchy. Hey, I mean, look, look, let's let's take the example of Respawn, right? A bunch of guys who uh, who who worked on Call of Duty, Cardinals, start their own studio. Um, we barely, and I, I joined them maybe six months before launch. We barely got that out, hmm. right? And we were firefighting, yeah, months yeah, and months, for years. And I I think I personally really only got my stride maybe maybe about a year before Titanfall 2 came out. And I, I did a lot of optimization and delta compression work and protocol reworks that that made Titanfall 2 10 hertz tick rate up to 20 hertz for Titanfall 2, big improvement in the game, lots of fixes for the weapon systems, bandwidth optimization, stuff I'm super proud of, and, and the complete rework of the kill replay system. And uh, and then I left, I'm, I'm done, I've done my bit and I wanna do my own thing. And uh, and then Apex Legends comes out a few years later. It's using all the same netcode that I wrote. Oh, and of yes. course, everybody else has had three tries to get to Apex Legends for a team that had been making COD for, for a decade. 
It's hard. It's, it's hard. hard. It's hard. It's hard. And, and uh, it's just iterative improvement on each one you release, keeping the team together and uh, just learning how to do it. So guys, living the dream. You, you wanted to make a game, you made it, you launched it, you got it on multiple platforms, it paid your salary and now you're making the next game. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. It. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Couldn't have done it without you, Glenn. Yeah, oh, that's true. Cheers. I'm happy to help. So that's it for Between Two Servers tonight. Thanks so much, Matt and Mike. And if you're interested, check out Killer Queen Black and maybe uh, liquidbit.com for news on their new title coming soon. See you later, everybody. Bye. Here's the hard truth. The internet doesn't care about your game. After all the blood, sweat and tears you put into making your game, you launch and some players get terrible network performance. What can you do about it? Build your own internet? This is why we created Network Next. Network Next is a radically new way of linking networks together. It's a new internet. One where networks compete on a neutral marketplace to carry your game's traffic. Network Next puts you, the game developer, in control of the network. We monitor every player's network performance and you choose when to accelerate them. Not only will you see better network performance for your players, you'll also have the security of knowing that if one network is congested, we switch to another in seconds. Now you control the network.